God has sent plague after plague upon the Egyptians, and yet Pharaoh, Pharaoh remained adamant against our God and refused to release the Israelites. The first hardening of his heart was that which God brought about. For in all of this, God is working out his goodwill. He is going to bring Egypt to their knees. And he is going to manifest to all of the Israelites that our God alone has all power over all things in heaven and in earth. And he will cause the Israelites to see that the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob is the faithful God of his people and the God who is guiding them through all of these difficulties that they have to experience. And they will be made to recognize the fact that when they get on the other side of the Red Sea, it was not at all by their own works, by their own labor, by their own ingenuity, or by their own power. They will get to the other side of the Red Sea, and those who shall enter into the promised land 40 years later, they will indeed arrive at that promised destination solely by the goodness of God himself. Now these plagues that God is sending to them this evening, we're considering the eighth one. Uh, the Lord willing, next Wednesday night, we'll consider the plague of darkness and then we'll get into the final plague, the death of the firstborn. All of these were geared and designed to show forth the might of our God. When Pharaoh was first approached by Aaron and Moses, and they said, Thus saith the God of Israel, Let my people go. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? I don't even know your Lord, that I shall let them go. But God is showing forth his greatness. He has already had Moses say to Pharaoh, for this same purpose have I raised thee up. You wonder who put Pharaoh upon the throne of greatness in Egypt? God did. Pharaoh may have imagined that he was upon his throne of greatness and power, the most powerful emperor in the world. He may have thought it was because he had the right pedigree, He's in the right family. He's been in the right position. But the fact of the matter is, he is in the position that he's in solely because of God's design and God's purpose. God has raised him up. And God is going to show to this vile emperor, this monarch, this hater of God, the Lord is going to show him who has all power over all things. It isn't Pharaoh himself. It is God himself. And when God finishes with him, his lifeless body will wash up on the shore. The lifeless body of Pharaoh will wash up on the shore of the Red Sea. There's a noteworthy passage that I want you to 
go back and look with me, right after the plague of lice. You remember the plague of lice? And the Egyptian magicians, you know, they had, they had manifested their skills and their satanic power in that they had, when uh, Moses uh, had Aaron cast down the rod, you remember those, those um, magicians of Egypt, they matched that miracle. And then in the first uh, plague that God sent, the turning of the Nile River into blood, those magicians were able to dig alongside of the Nile River and water came to the surface and they were able to change that water to blood. And then God sent the plague of frogs and they were able to duplicate that as well to some degree. They could bring frogs about. But then God sent lice. All of the dust of Egypt that all turned to lice. In fact, I was reading today that it so covered the altars, the altars where the Egyptians offered up their sacrifices to their various gods, that the altars were considered filthy and, and they could not be any offerings offered to them, those false gods while the lice were present. They're filthy little very uh, small creatures, but they were everywhere. In fact, the priests, in order to purify themselves, were shaving their heads every day and shaving the hair off their bodies, lest they be defiled by the lice that was everywhere. And these magicians who had imitated the power of Moses and Aaron with throwing the rod on the ground, they turned to to a serpent and turn blood, the water into blood and they brought about the additional frogs. When it came to the lice, they couldn't duplicate that. Learn this about false prophets. They're imitators of true prophets. They're imitators of true preachers. In fact, they will so imitate true preachers of the gospel that to some degree they will use the same language that we use. They'll use the same words of the Bible that we use. They'll talk about grace. They'll talk about Jesus. They'll even talk about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But by those things, they do not mean the particular effectual redemption of sinners by the bloody sacrifice of Christ. And when they talk about grace, they don't really mean omnipotent grace or sovereign grace or effectual grace or powerful grace that saves sinners. They mean God's offer to help people. They're imitators. And these, these magicians of Egypt, they were imitators. But when it came to the lice, that was something they couldn't imitate. And they made this statement to Pharaoh. Look with me in chapter 8. And look at verse 18. Chapter 8 and verse 18. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. Learn this. God has set a boundary to evil. And he has set a boundary even to false 
preachers and false prophets that they cannot pass. You see, all evil is under the authority of King Jesus. He who purchased our redemption, he earned the right to be Lord over all forever. And he is that. He is every man's Lord, whether every man recognizes that or not. And he's Lord over all the demons. And he's Lord over the devil. He's Lord over all principalities and powers. All spiritual evil forces has a governor over them, and that is our sovereign Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And evil can only go so far as our governor, as our Savior, as our sovereign has designed. And these imitators, though they imitated other things that God's preachers did, they couldn't imitate this. Watch it. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not to his own preachers, to his own magicians. Because they were honest with him. They said, this is the finger of God. He doesn't say, this is the hand of God. He doesn't, these magicians don't say, this is the arm of God. This is just his finger. This is a power we can't imagine. This is one we can't duplicate. We have no knowledge of this God, the God of the Hebrews, who apparently has all power over all things. And all of this dust has turned to lice, and we can't turn any dust to lice. We have reached the extent of our power. This is a power we're unfamiliar with. And they were right about that. And most people have no idea of the awesome power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why, he had the power to lay down his life. And he had the power to take it up again. And he has the power and he exercises the power over everyone and over everything. And even in the life and in the heart and in the mannerisms, and in the methods, and in the works of Pharaoh, our, the Son of God, our Savior, had all power over him. And he could only do those things that would suit and fulfill the will of our Savior. Know this, when it comes to evil, when it comes to the devil, Evil is not independent of God. The devil and the demons do not work independent of God. That power which evil has, and evil has power, there's no question about that. There's satanic power, there's demonic power. But that power which they have is not independent power. It's delegated power from him who has all power in heaven and in earth. That's our sovereign Savior. 
And he says to evil, as he says to the oceans, Thus far thou shalt go, and no further. Wasn't that evident in the life of Job? Take away his cattle, take away his sheep, take away his family, take away his health, that's as far as you go. You can't have him. And I tell you, to all of you who are the people of God, Satan will never have you. Oh, he may be used by God to humble you, to keep you low before the throne of God. He may bruise you, but soon he will be bruised under your feet. And our God who chose you unto salvation before the world began, and who redeemed you by the blood of his darling son, and who called you by his effectual grace through the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, our God will never let the evil one have you. He robbed him. Christ robbed him of you. Satan held you by his own will under his own power and Christ invaded his kingdom and he took you away from the evil one and you live forever. And he may tempt you and he may test you, but he can't kill you. He can't take your life. Thus far shalt thou go and no further. Our Lord has set a limit. Aren't you thankful everything's under the government of our kind and benevolent and loving Savior? You see, nothing can harm you. Nothing can harm you. Nothing can really hurt you. Our Savior said they may harm your body. They may hurt your body. But they can't hurt you because you, you are living soul in Christ Jesus. You have been washed. You have been robed. You are accepted in the beloved. You are a prince with God. You're made a king and a priest through the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the powers of darkness, should they all assault you at the same time, they cannot conquer you because you're protected by that one who has all power, even our Lord Jesus Christ. How hard-hearted Pharaoh must be when even his preachers tell him this is the finger of God. And still his heart remained hard against the Lord. So one plague follows another. Till finally we get to the one that we want to look at tonight in chapter 10. And that's the destructive locusts. 
You know, in the Middle East, just reading a little bit about it, about the locusts, that was one thing that terrified people in the Middle East because they could come through, the locusts could come through and destroy all of their crops. But these locusts that God raised up, these locusts were a little different. They were more destructive because the scripture says in verse 14 of chapter 10, very grievous were they. Before them were no such locusts as they. These are different. These are different. Neither after them shall be such. The locusts that had invaded Egypt before and the locusts that would later invade the, Egypt, the land of Egypt afterward, they were not to be compared with these. Because God is using these to teach us a spiritual lesson. Destructive locusts. Most of the time in the Bible... Locusts are set by God as a judgment upon people. He even threatened them with the judgment of locusts. These creatures, like all creatures, are at the beck and, beck and call of our God. He can, as it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13, he can command the locusts to devour the land. Listen, our God controls even the insects. <laughs> even those, those uh, locusts that rose up in Egypt and the locusts that would, God would use from time to time to punish the Israelites, they're all under his sovereign authority. There's nothing. He reigns among the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto our God, What doest thou? And even the insects obey his will. This is our God. We bow down and worship him. We adore him. He has all power over all things in heaven. And in earth, in Joel chapter 2, locusts are called his army, God's army. You can read in Joel chapter 1 and verse 4, the Lord talked about sending the locusts to devour the vegetation of Israel if they were disobedient. If we had the time, we could look in Deuteronomy, like in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy, God promises blessings to those who obey and curses to those who disobey. And when you get down to the curses of those who disobey, God said he'll send locusts to devour their crops and strip the fruit off the trees. They all do his will. And I'll tell you, children of God rejoice throughout this world all the things are at work in this, vast, in this vast world of ours. And throughout all of God's creation, our Lord Jesus Christ governs over everything big 
and everything little. There is nothing that is out from under his sovereign authority. And we rejoice in that. Now I want you to look with me in the book of Revelation. We're talking about destructive locusts. But there's a, a spiritual lesson for us here, and I hope that the Lord will enable us to see this. Destructive locusts. Revelation chapter 9. Here's the first woe that God sends, the first of three. This is one of the trumpet judgments. You remember in our study of the book of Revelation, the trumpet judgments were to warn. Trumpets warn. In the book of Ezekiel, the Lord talks about the faithful messenger of the gospel warns. He sounds a faithful note on the trumpet. True preachers of the gospel, we warn of coming judgment and we sound loudly the note of jubilee, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sound forth the trumpet note, good news of salvation in Christ Jesus. Good news, everything God demanded of his people, he sent his son to fully accomplish those demands and satisfy divine justice. There's the gospel trumpet, but there are also trumpet judgments. And God's in sending a trumpet judgment here sounds forth the first woe. Are you there? Revelation chapter 9. Look at verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Now this star that falls from heaven to the earth, our Lord Jesus has already mentioned in the Gospels that he saw this star fall. He mentions it in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. When the 70 disciples come back from preaching, going out two by two, 35 couples, 35 dual preachers going forth, and they had the ability to cast out, cast out demons and to do various miracles. They came back kind of high-fiving one another, rejoicing that they had power even over the demons of hell. And Christ said to them, I saw Satan... Fall from heaven. I saw that star fall. Because you see, he was there. He was there. He was the one who created all of the angelic hosts. And he's the one who according to his eternal purpose, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the Son of God was there when they ordained that this one Lucifer, angel of the morning, a light of the morning, that he would fall into rebellion and thus fulfill the purpose of God throughout the ages, and then God would finally at last cast him into the lake of fire. Christ said there in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, I saw him fall. I saw him fall as lightning from the sky. And now John says, in this vision that God gives him, he said, I saw a star fall from heaven. When did he fall? When he rebelled against God. When he decided he'd be greater than the Son of God. 
He coveted the position that the Son of God as the man Christ Jesus would have. And he was angry with God. And he rebelled. He was like a star who fell from heaven to the earth. He fell because he was booted out. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Watch the language. He didn't have the key until it was given to him. Because you see, in the beginning of the book of Revelation in chapter 1, the keys of death and hell, who do they belong to? They don't belong to Satan. The keys of death and hell belong to the Son of God. He merited the right to govern and have the keys to the whole universe, to all of creation. Who has the keys? The owner has the keys. And Christ is the owner of all things. And he gave to this fiend of hell the key of the bottomless pit. This is the pit where the fallen angels were imprisoned. They dragged their chains of bondage. And to Satan was given the key of the bottomless pit. And what did he do with the key? Verse 2, he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. When Satan opened the pit with the key, there arose a smoke out of the pit. What does smoke do? Well, smoke covers light. And this has always been Satan's desire is to hide the light. Hold your place here and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He would keep the gospel of God's grace away from sinners. Now he can't keep it away from the elect of God. He cannot hinder the workings of sovereign omnipotent grace. But he would keep people in the darkness of religious error. The smoke, the smoke of religious error that hides the light. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light. That which he wants to do is not keep people from being religious. That's okay. And I wrote an article about that, I think, in this past Sunday's bulletin. 
He doesn't mind if you're religious. He's religious himself. He doesn't even mind if you carry a Bible as long as you don't have any understanding what the Bible's all about. But he will keep the world in religious darkness. He blinds the mind of them which believe not. Why does he do that? Lest the light the smoke of false religion is designed to hide the light, to keep the light out. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. What a description of the gospel of Christ. It's the light that has entered into our darkened hearts and minds and has illuminated us. The Lord has illuminated us. The light, the light of the world, Christ has shined in our hearts. That's the reason we believe. That's the reason we see who God is. That's the reason we see what we are. That's the reason we see and rejoice in the bloody sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. The light, the light of the gospel of grace has shined in our darkened hearts. And our hearts aren't dark anymore. We see the light. But you see, Satan, with the reprobate, he keeps them in darkness. And the most powerful tool he has is the smoke of false religion. And you know, and I know, scores of people, they're in the smoke, in the darkness of false religion. And they can't see the light. Satan has blinded their minds. Read the rest of it. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. Because of the light, we don't, we preach the light, but I can't shine into somebody's heart. I, I can try to get in your ears. <laughs> I can try to get in your mind, but I can't get in your heart. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. He is the light. And we say we're just servants for Jesus' sake. That which you need is that which I need. And you who are watching is what you need is for God to send the light of the glorious gospel into the heart. That's when people will believe. You can't twist their arms and make them believe. You can't back them in a corner and force them to make some kind of profession of faith. If I help you to tie the knot of your conversion, then somebody else can help you untie the knot. But if the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus ever shines in the heart, with that brilliant light, if God the Spirit ever says like you did in the first creation, let there be light. Light will shine and all the darkness of hell itself can't, can't extinguish the light. 
as he says in verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. That, that's the grace of God at work in us. It's that light shining in the heart. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where do we see that? In the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. So go back to Revelation chapter 9. The smoke. The smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. It's designed, the satanic design is to darken the mind and the heart to keep the light out. It let religion in. <laughs> let morality in. But keep the light out. Now to be sure, he can't conquer. He can't conquer Christ Jesus. When our Lord signs, shines forth the light of the gospel, that light will shine. It will illuminate. But you see, this, this passage of Scripture, the smoke that is hiding the light is for those non-elect. The non-elect. Look at verse 3. There came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Who are these locusts? The destructive locusts, who are they? Well, they're not those little creatures that covered the land of Egypt that ate up all the greenery and all the herbs and all the fruit. These are false preachers. These are the servants of Satan. Because look at verse 4. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. These are different kind of locusts. They're even more destructive. Because they're not after the herbs of the world, the trees and the fruit. In fact, it says, not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. But only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Who has the seal of God in their foreheads, in their minds, in their hearts? That's the elect of God. We were sealed by God the Father in covenant grace. We were sealed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when He redeemed us, put our sins away, brought in everlasting righteousness. We were sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise when the gospel of our Lord Jesus was sealed to the heart. You see, the seal of God's elect, that's, and then this seal is an indication of ownership. God owns us. <laughs> It's a seal of protection, protected by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a seal of preservation. 
We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of truth. So this smoke and these destructive locusts, these false preachers, they can't harm those who have the seal of God in their foreheads. The 144,000 that are spoken of earlier in the book of the Revelation. A chosen of God from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. But let's continue with these destructive locusts. Verse 5. And to them it was given that they should not kill them. That's God's business. Eternal damnation is what God brings about. But that they should be tormented five months, which is the average lifespan of locusts that destroy vegetation. But what I take this to mean is for a certain period of time. And I, I'm totally against date setting as far as when our Lord Jesus is coming back. Sunday morning I'm going to be preaching on the second coming of Christ from Zechariah chapter 14. But I will say this. This age in which we're living, I sure do see a lot of smoke, don't you? There are a lot of destructive locusts out here. And they just, they swarm everywhere. Wherever you go, you see these destructive locusts who are imitators of God's servants in that they, to a degree, use the same kind of words we use. And they'll come forth carrying the Bible. The imitators. But they're controlled by that star that fell from heaven, even Lucifer himself. And watch this, it says in the end of verse 5. Their torment was as the torment of a scorpion. Deadly. And that's the thing about false preachers. Hey Jim, you say a lot about false preachers and false prophets. Our Lord did. Read again in Matthew chapter 7, didn't he, Brandon? He said that in Matthew chapter, beware of false prophets. That's right, isn't it, Ron? He, our Lord voiced, he, he spoke loudly against false prophets. He said to the, to the Pharisees, he said, you're of your father, the devil. That's exactly right. They're destructive locusts that he is released from the pit and they clout, clout the issue. Smoke, smoke. Keep people in the dark. They're like a scorpion when he strikes a man. They're deadly. Because their message is deadly. Message of free willism Hear me now, that's a deadly message. That your will makes the difference, that's deadly. That's poison. 
The poison of a, of a scorpion is in their tail, it will say a little bit later in this context. And in those days, look at verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. In other words, there's no real joy or happiness or life in this free will works message. There's no happiness. They don't have, it's a false happiness. And you want to know about these locusts? Look at verse 7. And the shapes of these locusts were like horses prepared unto battle. They go forth, released by this, by Satan himself. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns of gold. They're honored by men. Oh, how great these preachers are. <laughs> and their faces were like the faces of men. They show compassion. It's like one lady told me about her preacher, her pastor. She said, you know, he's not much of a preacher, but he's a kind pastor. What an awful indictment against a man. Not much of a preacher. But he's a kind man. He visits the sick. Why, there are preachers who go down the hospital halls down here knocking on doors. So full of compassion. Yeah, but they came forth out of the pit. And verse 8 says, They had hair as the hair of women. They're effeminate. Pretty boys. <laughs> but their teeth, says the teeth of lions, they devour. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. Seems like nothing can stop them or harm them. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. They're anxious. They're full of zeal. Watch them. They can get into a town. They can build a church up from nothing to be, be a mega church in no time at all. That's what they do. And verse 10 says, And they had tails likened to scorpions. There were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. And I tell you, they're hurting people all over the world. But they can't hurt God's elect. <laughs> they can't harm you. And verse 11 says, they had a king over them. You read in the book of Proverbs as far as the the little creatures that eat the greenery, those locusts that come around what is it, every seven years or whatever it is. Proverbs says they don't have a king over them. But these, these destructive locusts, these false preachers, they got a king over them, which is the angel, the messenger of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. And in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon. He's the destroyer. He is the destroyer. And he's destroying 
millions upon millions of people. But he can't destroy God's people. We're safe under the blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, one woe is past, and behold, there come two more woes hereafter. Destructive locusts. But we have nothing to fear. You see, God has, as far as we're concerned, he's cleared the air. And we can see. We can see. The smoke is gone. <laughs> We've been illuminated. And you've been so enlightened that when you hear the smoke of false religion, when you see it, when you hear it, when you hear the words of one of these destructive locusts, you have been given wisdom enough to know that's not right. I'm not going to listen to that. Thank God we can tell truth from error. And we rejoice in the truth. And we thank God that we're not in error. We believe the truth as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sing a closing song.